It was Suze Allman who said that owning a property is a keystone of wealth, both financial affluence and emotional security. Suze's quote is particularly relevant in the context of Australian property, I think, where owning a property is, you know, long been considered a sound investment. In fact, property ownership has led to both financial and emotional security. Because of appreciation, it goes up in time, cash flow, it gives you a steady income, equity, you know, you build your net wealth and stability. You don't have to ride the ups and downs like as if you were invested in the stock market. So many people associate property success with like a bigger house or like a better lifestyle, but it actually goes far deeper than that. It, it's more than just money. It's the peace of mind that comes from knowing your family is well taken care of. It's the joy of being almost like the family breadwinner. It's the way that you'll be able to sleep at night knowing that you're setting a good example for your family and friends. Well, with all that being said, and that's obviously all good and well, it's really hard to know <laughs> where to invest and what to invest. Like, will the Australian property market bottom out in 2023 and start rapidly rising? Because let's be honest, interest rate rises may not be over. Inflation is still high and geopolitical tensions overseas, you know, they're not really going away. So in this episode, it's really interesting. Bushy Martin from Realty Talk and I will discuss a few things. We'll discuss timing the market. Where are the best suburbs right now? We'll discuss when not to buy. You know, where are the worst locations across Australia right now? We'll discuss rising markets, which property markets haven't even fallen, the best opportunities right now, commercial versus residential real estate. And like I said, the hotspots, quote unquote, the best residential areas to buy of many in 2023. So is the property crash over? Well, we'll try to answer that. And where to buy and whether to buy now or wait, we'll also try to answer that. So a lot, you know, jam-packed into actually what's not really that much of a long episode. So Please tune in, please stick around, and I hope you get a ton of value. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK, and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence, and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Should you buy property now or wait? It's a question that's constantly being asked in the midst of the continual deluge of fear-driven negative news and the crippling uncertainty that's being peddled by the mainstream media. And it feels like a day doesn't go by where the nightly news, newspaper headlines and our social media feeds aren't paralysing us like rabbits in the spotlight as we're constantly reminded of doomsday predictions on all things property. There's the relentless, unfounded hysteria about rising interest rates, the mortgage cliff, runaway inflation, falling property values, and the always imminent but never quite eventuating property crash, along with a whole bunch of geopolitical tensions right around the world. So you can always find an excuse why now is never the right time to buy property. 
But is the fiction supported by the facts? Should you buy now or wait? Let's start by asking that age-old question. Is it time in the market or timing the market, which is more important? It's such a common question. And and I remember like maybe seven, eight years ago when I used to hear podcasts. I'm not not necessarily this one, but some others and every single property educator, buyer's agent, anyone who was trying to sell you something will always answer this question the same way. Um, that it's not timing the matter the market that matters, but it's rather time in the market. And initially I used to think, yeah, that it it makes sense, right? Because we have to hold these properties over the long term. The longer we hold them, the more um, dividends we we reap, right? The more benefit we get. But then as I listened to more and more podcasts and kind of started building my own portfolio, I started to realize that that's actually not necessarily true. And it might be self-serving for people like me who are trying to sell stuff to say it's all about time in the market, not timing the market. Because clearly, like let's say, you bought in May last year, 2022, in, in Sydney, or let's say Brisbane or Melbourne to some extent, you didn't, you'd have lost money. Now, of course, there's always markets within markets, but let's just say on average, you'd have lost money. So where's that adage gone, time in the market? No, you, you rather time the market, right? No, of course, it's really difficult to time the market perfectly. No one can really have a crystal ball and say the 29th of August is going to be the bottom of the Australian property market or the top for that matter. But my philosophy, to be clear, is that both are equally important. Time in the market is very, very important. Flipping property in Australia, look, there might be many people more intelligent than me. They can do it. But for me, it's a mugs game. The transaction costs in Australia are so hard that to consistently, predictably make money by flipping properties, at least I can't do it, right? I'll be honest. Um, so, so, you know, that's difficult. You need time in the market, at least seven years, if not more, right? But timing the market is just as important, right? And of course, we can't get it down to the, the second, the hour, the day, maybe not even the month, but we can get that pretty accurate not at the national level, but at a suburb level. Okay, so this is the difference. There's always markets that are rising at the same time, those that are plateauing at the same time that are dropping. So I'll give you an example right now. You know, obviously Sydney, you can almost pick any market. It's going down within Sydney. You go to Perth and you've got locations like Mariwa. You've got locations like even like lower socioeconomic areas like Seville Grove that have gone up $50,000 literally in the last two months, according to CoreLogic. You've got places like Rockingham, which is very fit, you know, popular amongst a lot of investors that are rising at the moment. And we can predict these things based on data. It's not perfect. It can't tell you that it's going to go up by 13.75%. But we can say that this suburb will dramatically outperform this other suburb at this moment in time based on data. So to conclude, both are important. If we take some very high level statistics, we've never had downturn, never had a downturn in Australia property that has lasted for more than six quarters. The average downturn has lasted for about three quarters. The six quarters one was starting in 2017. So if we say that this current downturn is bigger than the last one, which according to the stats, it's already breached it. So it is bigger. And let's say it's a little bit more than six quarters, then we'd see the national property market bottom around September, October of this year, 2023. But of course, there's markets that are rising right now. So it's 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 hard to say what the bottom is because we can't buy Australia, you can only buy one suburb. 
Totally agree. And I, I think the real danger in the, any discussion around this is the, the whole idea of a property market and relying on median prices to make those decisions, uh, PK. We, we won't dive into that right now, but, but it's a misnomer uh, right there because uh, every property in every street and every area is, is generally different from every other one of the 11 million properties around the country. So uh, making decisions based on medians and uh, broad areas, I, I think, is fraught with danger. Uh, but uh, in the context of what you're saying there, the combination of timing the market and timing the market, if you can combine those two, then you're, you're minimising your risk. So I, I want to now look at uh, the sort of negative side of the overarching question we're looking at here and ask you, when's it a good idea not to buy property? Yeah, I don't think this question really ever gets asked or answered properly, so I'll try my best, uh, Bushy. I don't think it's honestly a good idea to buy property if you cannot afford to have interest rates. And by interest rates, I mean your average variable lending rate from your bank, not the official cash rate, the, the lending rate at 6 or 7%. That's the long-term average. So I remember like two years ago when we were emergency quantitative easing settings, I was still advising my clients, guys, this is hugely positive cash flow, but make sure you do your household budgeting because if lending rates ever go to 7%, it was wildly unforeseen two years ago, but we're almost there now, yep. right? You need to be able to hold these properties. You should never have to sell it. You might want to sell a property. You should never have to sell it due to cash flow reasons. So if you can't afford it at that higher interest rate, it might not be a good idea to buy it in the first place. And for a lot of people, that rules out Sydney and Melbourne property altogether because average property costs about 20 grand to hold in those areas. So, so that's the first reason. The second reason why you may not want to buy a property right now is that you only want to buy in your backyard or only want to buy in a particular location. Like I live on the Gold Coast. Let's say my mindset was I only want to buy in Queensland. I only want to buy in the Gold Coast. I only want to buy in Brisbane. Right now in the property market, there's not too many properties that are rising in the Gold Coast. There's not too many properties that are rising or suburbs that are rising in Brisbane. So if I really just wanted to buy in Brisbane, for sentimental reasons, or let's say because I'm already capped out with land tax on every other single state and territory, then it might be prudent for me to say, okay, well, let me just assess the market from the sidelines, six months, 12 months. I can't time the bottom of the market perfectly anyway. So if I start to see some green shoots in the ground, that might be my opportunity. So I don't lose money in the first six months. We always want to make money in the short term so that future growth compounds on that initial growth. That's terribly important um, in terms of property equity mathematics. So, so those are my two reasons of why you probably shouldn't buy property right now. Let's turn to the future a little bit because I'd love to get your thoughts on will the market actually bottom out in 2023 given uh, all the media hype? Okay, let me just put my my uh, my crystal ball out. Let's let's gaze into that. Like I said just a, a second ago, I think as well, if we go by history, now history doesn't repeat itself, but it does have a tendency to cause or create patterns that eventuate in the future. Average down cycle in the Australian property market nationally for what it's worth is three quarters. In 2017, we had the longest one for six quarters. Upswings go much steeper, much harder, much longer than downturns. So that's good news. But if we take history, the current property market is likely to bottom out around September, October time, if history repeats itself. Now, of course, we know that interest rates have risen at a record gradient. You know, it's never risen this much this fast. So 
is that likely to happen? Is the 2017, you know, length of downturn likely to happen again? Probably not. Like if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would say that this downturn would last a little bit longer, let's say into the, the rest of the year, maybe till November, December. But I think everyone needs to consider what medians really are. Everyone needs to consider what property data at the aggregate national level really is. And what it really is, is basically just Sydney and Melbourne because the weighted index, there's so many more properties that sell for so much more in Sydney and Melbourne. And so therefore the national property market is a reflection of what's going on in those big two capital cities. The reality is that the market will likely bottom out earlier in places like Adelaide. In fact, North Adelaide is not even dropping yet. Okay. So everyone, every suburb, every LGA, every you know area has its own cycle. Perth is rising. So the the question of when will Perth bottom, I mean, it's not dropping. So you can't really predict when it will bottom if it's something's not dropping. So that that's kind of my thoughts at a national level, at, at a local level. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but I think it's useful and helpful for people to start to think this way, even if they can't get to a perfect answer. I totally agree. And I, and I think the other thing to uh, recognise, as you sort of touched on in relation to interest rates, is that yes, they've risen pretty rapidly, but we're only getting back to what the long-term average is. We're not not even quite there yet. So we've been in this artificial uh, zone, and while it's been a while, people tend to forget what the the true conditions are. And exactly the same applies to property. What we're seeing in the softening of property is actually very normal for for an old crusty guy like myself who's been in the industry for a long time. What I expected exactly what we're seeing now. There's no surprise or shock about it. It's just a normal part of the the overall movement of property conditions that vary around the country. So extremely well said. Um, uh, the big question, obviously, that everyone's going to be uh, looking at here, though, PK, is where are the best opportunities to invest right now? Yeah, sure. I, I'll, I might tackle this from a commercial versus resi, and then let's go into the resi uh I don't like to use this word, but like hotspots for, for want of a better term. So I think commercial property is really becoming very popular because uh, there's a lot of content online for people to become educated about it and, and what have you. My contention or, or my sort of argument with commercial property is that the markets typically price it on a yield spread versus the average variable lending rate or, or interest rates. Yep. Now, there's a lot of yield compression that has occurred. In other words, yields have come down, cap rates have come down, prices have gone up in commercial property, and they haven't really reverted themselves just yet. Now, unlike residential, where yield can be terrible, like 2%, let's say in Sydney, but capital growth, fantastic, doesn't quite work like that in commercial. The capital growth or the yield compression or vice versa is almost in direct correlation with interest rates. So with interest rates rising, you'd expect yields to rise. You can get a, a CBA term deposit at 4%, risk-free asset. Now, the average yield for commercial property, blue chip commercial property, I would argue in Sydney, Melbourne is actually under 4%. So that doesn't make any sense because there needs to be a yield premium. Even with Perth commercial, mm. Brisbane commercial, Adelaide commercial, that yield premium means that yields or cap rates need to rise and therefore valuations need to sink. So for what it's worth, always exceptions to any rule and markets for their markets. But for, for my money, residential is a better bet than commercial right now. And we've talked about the markets and cycles and locations and residential, but where I would be investing right now, the best opportunities are where the affordability lies. And the affordability lies most still in Queensland, in South Australia, and in, in WA. Now, 
WA, Queensland, you have to be very cautious that you're not overexerting yourself into a mining-led economy. Um, but there are areas within Perth, let's say, that aren't exclusively reliant on commodity prices. Same with like Townsville, for example. Ten years ago, that was a mining town, no doubt about it. It's no longer a mining town. A place like even Rockhampton or Bundaberg are no longer one you know, industry town. So they present opportunities where incomes are very high, where property prices are very affordable, and the data, the balance between demand and supply is very strong. Same with northern parts of Adelaide, even a place like Gawler, not that I'm saying to go out and buy there, but prices are increasing there. So these are amongst the, the best opportunities in Australia right now, not trying to time the bottom of a Sydney market and spending $30,000 a year to try hold that property. Yeah, extremely well said. And I, I, I think yeah, the, the important distinction for those listening and, and watching today in relation to the commercial exercise is that it's become a bit of a flavour of the month. There's a lot more interest on and a lot more information there. But people do need to realise that the hurdle rates in terms of the equity contribution to commercial are generally significantly higher than what they are in resi. So you just need to, to bear that in mind. And on the residential front, uh, the, the key, given that we've just been through this situation where just about every property in every area as a result of the COVID stimulus and the petrol has been thrown on the fire is actually increasing value, then we need to be looking at forward forward uh, uh, indicators rather than lagging indicators as far as ongoing growth is concerned if, if you're looking for capital growth. So that the sort of return and focus on quality is now more important than it's ever been. So uh, some really good thoughts there, PK. Uh, look, I, as always, I want to thank you for these very timely observations and your insights again. And thanks again for your generous time on the show today. Appreciate it, Bushy. Very grateful. Thanks, PK. Well, yet again, let's remind ourselves that the best time to purchase property is actually every time you can afford to, because it's never about when, it's always about what, where and how. Thank you, guys. That was pretty fun to record, and I hope it was fun and enjoyable and also valuable to listen to, regardless of where you are and, and what you're doing. Thank you, everyone, as well, for leaving a review um, on Spotify and also iTunes. I got a recent one here by Jason. He's written, Hi, PK. Love the way you teach a beginner investor to start and build a portfolio. All the things you said quite makes sense, and it actually helps a lot for getting to the next step. Enjoy your podcast so much that I can't wait for the next episode. Now, that really means a lot. You know, I'm just trying to get you to the next step. I can't get you to financial freedom overnight. I can't get you to build a four property, six property, 10 property portfolio overnight. I can't get you to your financial freedom goals, you know, overnight. But I can hopefully inspire you and educate you just to take that next step. And if that's all that this episode served to achieve, well, that was a success. Thank you for being with me and I'll see you next week. Catch you later, guys.